This is the Retags Podcast. In association with the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation and the University of Cape Town, Retags is the reimagining tragedy from Africa and the Global South. In this limited series, we will be exploring and contextualizing themes of tragedy as they relate to the inaugural production of the Retags Project, Antigone, Not Quite Quiet, presented by the University of Cape Town and the Magnet Theater. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Retags Podcast. I'm your host, Emma. In this episode, I sat down with Jenny, who is playing Ismaini in this production of Antigone. The Ismaini part of the show is a solo act. Jenny is on the stage by herself, lamenting years after Antigone has died. And I have only seen a small, small part, but what I have seen is incredible. And being able to talk with Jenny about this was amazing, and I learned a lot more than I anticipated. So the overarching question is, what does tragedy mean to you? Oh, okay. I mean, tragedy means a lot of things. I suppose in, in the broadest sense, it means some event or something that occurs that is irrevocable, that ends badly, basically, <laughs> but it cannot be made good or cannot be healed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. You're playing Ismaini in this process, and you wrote everything that you are performing. What are you drawing from, obviously, like Sophocles' Antigone, but what else are you pulling from when you were writing? So, I mean, this obviously it's a long process, and in fact it's gone back years, really, but definitely drawing from the different versions of Antigone, Brecht, um, can't remember the name, the woman's name. Anyway, her her <laughs> version and uh, Sophocles. Anne Carson. Yes, Anne Carson. Okay. Yes, she's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So drawing on all the kind of versions that have been written, but also I suppose I mean I think that the it's important to understand that the way that magnet theatre works is that there's always a kind of intersection in the work between kind of very personal spaces and the play or thing that we are making, which is kind of often in a more public domain. So the story of Antigone is huge. It's, it belongs to the very big world, but there's always an intersection between private obsessions and private kind of journeys with the broader story. You know, I mean, aside from the, the story itself and the oldness of the story, there, we were, certainly in the early improvisations, I was drawing on very much this relationship between the two sisters and um, the difficulty of once somebody dies, of being able to access them, speak to them, um, reach them. So the sense of otherness that happens in this process of moving from life to death and the difficulty of being able to bridge that otherness certainly for Ismini yeah so that's I, I think that those are the things I mean then there are lots of things that you know through discussions and with Mark and through the original sort of first improvisations which were last year with uh, with Nao and other master students just exploring exploring that relationship but exploring also um, I suppose understanding Antigone as so, 
is meaning trying to kind of understand you know what her character was who she is in relation to Antigone it's so interesting because when I was talking with Mandisa, she was also very much drawn to the relationship between Antigone and Ismene. And I remarked that in all the versions that I've read and studied and seen, that that's always pushed to the wayside. Like, the relationship between Antigone and Ismene is not focused on as much as the relationship between Antigone and Crayon mm. or, or mm-hmm. Hymen and Crayon. It's always, even though she's the protagonist, it's still very often played as sort of male-centric kind mm. of a piece. And I really am enjoying with your section and with the Antigone section that it, it, it feels very female-focused mm. in a way that I don't see very often. And mm. I really... I really, really enjoy that. What was the motivation between, like, behind, I mean, you doing Ismene alone and turning Antigone into the chorus? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, it just it also just to comment about, um, in a way, also the other thing that Magnet often does is tries to look for the voice that is, in a way, pushed aside, you know. So there is this character called, called Ismene, this sister, who kind of hovers and is alluded to, um, but it never comes into the, the light. So in a way, it's also wanting to look at those things that are pushed aside. But in terms of, I mean, I think that, that Mark has very much set the piece in a kind of historical context of South Africa where the white colonial voice, it, it still exists, it's still there, and very much carries on speaking, and in other words, carries on having an impact and there's nothing that actually can be done about it history has happened the tragedy has happened of this country and this continent and its relationship to to the north it has happened and there it sits inconvenient in the way which is pretty much you know what Ismini says I'm here I carry on speaking I'm doomed to carry on speaking to be the lump in the landscape I will be here and I'll be here tomorrow so in terms of I suppose in terms of the the numbers there's this kind of singular voice that goes on and on and on and then you know moving into this this kind of second sort of piece of the exhibition if you like it I kind of Mark speaks about it as three pieces of an exhibition really okay. so it's kind of like this first piece is Mini the second piece is Antigone uh, and I think that uh, um, it, for me it makes absolute sense that the that the voice of of no, of refusal and interruption is a collective voice. It's not a singular voice. It's mm-hmm. a it's a completely collective one. And particularly within the context of, you know, what we've seen recently in terms of the of of always it's been young people. I mean certainly in the history of, of our country it's been young people who said our parents might have tolerated it, but we will not tolerate it. We will stand up. So you know, in terms of, of the images that you have of, of young people saying no, and, and, and very recently with the, the Fees Must Fall movements and, and the need to refuse certain things, uh, you know, within the establishment and with the canon. And, and so that has, the image is a collective one. For me, I don't see it in any other way. It's so funny, and I think this is just because I'm American, that I didn't even think of you and your singularity as sort of a colonial stance. Mm. And I think that's just because I'm I'm still trying to sort of learn that over here, and it's not something that, it's not, it's not like an eye that I'm trained with. Mm, mm, mm. But now that you say it, and now that you framed it in that way, now it's incredibly obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think that, I, I really like that. It almost, it's, I mean, it almost feels like a little bit of like artistic reparations 
sometimes, but it's, it's self-aware in a way that I don't see racially charged art being self-aware all the time. And I think that that is, I think that's good and important. And I wish that when we talk about racial relations at home, I wish that there was sort of that kind of self-awareness because it's very sensitive in a way that people are willing to have these conversations in South Africa that I haven't seen anywhere else. And I think that that is, I think that's good. And I think that that's powerful. When you're doing the piece, how long do you picture your part taking place sort of after the events of the play? Because when I was watching it, it felt like years and years and years yeah, after. Yeah. It's yeah. years and years and years. So she's, you know, is, uh, Antigone says to, it's kind of based on two things that Antigone says to Ismini. She says, take heart and live, Ismini. And she says, take heart and proclaim. And Ismini has been stuck. She's, she says, I've been condemned to live for this perpetual time and I've been contemned, uh, condemned to proclaim to tell the story over and over and over about her family and what happened to Antigone and everything so she she's stuck in this moment of tragedy and that's what's kind of tragic about her is she can't escape she she's desperate to die but she's terrified of dying she's desperate to follow her sister but she's a coward and she cannot so she's she's really kind of caught between these these really difficult contradictions but it she has been caught there for many, 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 many years. You know, she can't even remember how many years she's been coming to the grave or to the cave to try and connect with her sister to tell the story. It's, I think she's beyond time in a way. She's so old, <laughs> you know. And um, she says in the, in the piece, she says, I'm time's fool, shame's fossil, because she's there so long she's been fossilized in a way. The shame and the kind of the, the tragedy of... of of her family has been kind of fossilized. Yeah, I like this idea of shame and how even as the events are unfolding that we see that Sophocles wrote, she's like steeped in shame and like wishing that she could do something. Yeah, so I, I think that in, in the, how, how I wrote it is in the work she kind of, in the sort of the, the first exhibition, she comes to this understanding that she just let the men tell her what to do and that kind of you know the, the terrible shame of not being able not having stood up not having fought for anything in a way she's although she's she's condemning of her sister she's kind of proud of her because she sees that you know Antigone did something that she was too scared to do she was too frightened to stand up for herself she was too attached to her position of of privilege and so you know that's that kind of is a really that's a realization that she kind of comes to this and this terrible sense of shame that she did nothing you know she shared nothing she she tried to help you know she she woke up a little bit too late to say please can I help you Antigone Antigone said fuck you you're too late do you know what I'm saying so it was like Antigone is hard. She's really, really, the lines are hard. And, you know, Ismini is also, in a way, a, a victim of that hardness because she was excluded um, and feels a terrible sense of shame about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there is, I mean, I suppose bring, to bring it back to South Africa, the sense of that there was a whole community of people and they happened to be white who did nothing, who yeah. stood and watched. Yeah, um, he saw and heard and did nothing. So there's the you know I think in Ismini is also that the shame of that history. You know. Yeah, of mm. of of, uh, of complacency. Mm. I I always wondered after I would after I would read the play what 
she did other than like because it's like she's it's like she and Creon are sort of the last two standing and even Creon is kind of like I'm out. And so other than sort of living in her shame, revisiting her past, what do you think she did? Immediately after the last page, what do you think happened to her? Well, I mean, I think that she just, she was absorbed into whatever system, uh, you know, was there at that time. I don't, I think that, you know, I think that's also what the, the piece says, or the whole, is that, you know, we can't change who we are, and we can't change what has happened. And so she can't change herself from being obedient. And so she, whatever regime happens, she just kind of continues being obedient to whatever kings and whatever rules and whatever, you know, state comes along. She, she kind of, and that's her tragedy in a way. You mentioned Tiresias and how does that fit into the Tiresias that we will see if it, if it, if it does? Because I still haven't seen anything regarding the Tiresias section. So, but I'm wondering if you have, and I'm wondering if it connects at all. Well, it connects, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting the way that Mark is making the, the works because they really don't touch each other. I'm only coming in now to work a choreography on the Antigone section. No, you as a director out here has like nothing to do with your Ismaini part at all, really. No, but this, the thing is, is that's the only time I've touched it. And I, you know, so I, I and, and, and likewise, you know, Fanisa doesn't know what I'm doing. I don't really know what she's doing, but I do know because of, of what Mark's speaking about. And I think that the way in which the Tiresias part connects is that it is the sort of, the Tiresias really uh, speaks about power and about corruption of power and she really speaks to what is happening in South Africa at the moment. So she's, you know, don't give to dogs sacred things. So don't give power, don't give that which is really valuable. And that's the subtitle the youth, yeah, of the yeah. play. Yeah. Don't give, you know, don't take those things which are valuable and give them to dogs and uh, discard them and not treat them with any value. I, I sort of feel that that's the last piece really pulls the the three pieces really into the current moment in a very strong way. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's in succession. Mm. It is in succession. Yeah. yeah. But I uh, but I'm wondering what to call it because my instinct is to be like, oh, they're vignettes, but that sounds so childish. I would say it's I mean, for me it's an exhibition, but it's a kind of um it's in time, so you you can't look you can't look at them simultaneously. No. So it's exhibit one is Ismini, which you experience, and exhibit two, which is Antigone, which you experience, and then exhibit three, which is Tiresias, which you experience, and and you know we don't know yet how they're going to speak to each other. I mean, we do know, but we don't know what that is going to feel like in time because we haven't done it yet. Yeah. So that's yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sitting in anticipation now because I've been like, I've been sitting in this, in the Antigone part now for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, I've seen glimpses of yours, but I literally don't even know what Tiresias is. And so only having sort of a glimpse of how two of them are supposed to work. But I, I think that's also in a way, you know, what in our first conversations about the piece was really trying to look at this notion of otherness which is why in a way there's the sense that these three pieces um, particularly the first two pieces sit side by side but can't 
really meet. So the the sense of of you know we in South Africa there's been this dream of the rainbow nation of everybody coming together in this you know which was kind of Mandela's vision and Tutu's vision of this kind of beautiful nation that was going to come together and blend and 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 in a way we've kind of understood that in actual fact we have to sit side by side with the sense that maybe we can't know and maybe we are different but we can sit there together do you know do you know what i'm saying so in a way that i'm you know, we have to sit in that uncomfortableness of perhaps not knowing, of being with the other and not being, not knowing and, and really kind of accept that, you know, not. So I think that that's, I think and in a way that's kind of, it's also how the piece has been made in these sort of three <laughs> separate spaces. I mean, it's interesting for me because I'm working with a choreographer, um, Ina, and so we're developing language, but because I am now in that room with them, there are there inevitably going to be things that are, are going to just thread very delicately through. And that quite excites me. I don't know if it's what Mark wants, but anyway, so he can sort of delete it. <laughs> but there, there might be, there's starting to be slight echoes, but maybe not. I mean, when the same hand touches, touches something, yeah. there's bound to be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even with Mark sort of being the through line through everything, yes, there's yeah. going to be, there's, yeah. Yeah. there's going to be some Except the languages are very different. I mean, I think oh, that's yeah. also what he wanted, is that he wanted Ismini to live in a very theatrical mode, in yeah. a very theatrical moment. So it refers to the theater all the time. She speaks about being watched and the audience and she really you know points very clearly to the fact that they are in a theater and it's and the language that you use is 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 very it's, heightened it's heightened poetic theatrical yeah. language whereas the second the second work is much more choral it's non-narrative you know it's it has a really a language that is very much its own. Yeah, I'm really anticipating seeing everything finally come together after all of this time because I think that it'll be I hope it'll be something incredibly thought-provoking, but also will be familiar for those of us who just <laughs> really like this kind of stuff. I'm really just talking about me. Um, but yeah, I think that that, I think it's really good. I love what I've seen from you specifically so far, and I'm really, li really looking forward to it. And thank you very much for <laughs> taking the time to sit with me. It's nice. Okay. All right, I will get, le let you get okay. to your rehearsal. Once again, a huge thank you to Jenny for sitting down with me. Ismania is often an overlooked part of the story of Antigone, and I'm really thrilled to see how it's all coming together. Hope to see you next time. Thank you.